0: Well, good morning. good morning. You know, I almost put an uh, updated picture on a, but I didn't have enough time. But probably next week you'll see an updated picture of him. Yeah, I guess it's to come back. Just a quick announcement. Um, June twenty-first which is a Thursday, there there will be no healing service in here. That's the week of impartation. Okay, so you can put that on your calendar that we will not be having service in here on June 21st. And also July 5th uh, is a Thursday, which follows July 4th. So that week of July 4th, uh, there will be no service as well. So you want to make note of that. And if you have people that typically come with you that are not here today, you make sure you tell them too so they won't pop in here. Well, let's let's open with prayer. Father, thank you, thank you again, Father, for your word. Father, we just we just commit this time to you, and we commit this time to your service in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we have been studying habits of a blessed Christian. This is a series. This is part twelve today of that series. Uh, and let's let's go to our foundational scriptures, Proverbs eighteen verse fourteen. says this, the strong spirit, everyone say strong spirit, spirit. of a man sustains him in bodily pain and trouble. But a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. You know, the word tells us that many are the trials, the tribulations, the problems that as a Christian we'll go through. But he said we see us through them all. Well, he sees us through them all Through his word. Now that word doesn't do us much good unless we've put it in our spirit, man. Once it's there, that's where the strength comes. It's impossible to receive strength from God unless we submit ourselves to the word in all meekness and all humility and make it a part of us. See, there's always a Godward side and there's a manward side. The manward side, as far as God's word is concerned, is to do those things we've talked about over and over here. Labor to enter his rest. Study to show yourself approved. My son, attend to my word. Incline your ears to my saying, don't let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them and health to all the flesh our responsibility is to find them. They're not hard to find. It's just a matter of spending some time with the Word, with Jesus. Then and only then can we place that Word in our heart to build our faith, to establish our hearts, to build a strong spirit. And then when the trials and problems come, in which they will, sometimes more often than we want them to, when the trials come, that word sustains us because we're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not ours. The power of His might. Because in the opening prayer, says, you know, for we are crucified with Christ. We're dead. Our, our entire identity is in Christ. Entire. Not, not 2%. Not 50%, not 75%, but 100% of our identity is now in him. Which sort of takes you over to our second foundational scripture in Leviticus, which says, You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. If I didn't say it, it's verse 26 of Leviticus 20. That's from the New Living Translation. Holiness comes into our lives when God's ways become our ways. And in this study over the last 12 weeks, or the 12 weeks that we've taught it, habits that we want to establish as a Christian helps us to develop our character. And our godly character that we develop results in the fulfillment of his calling for our life. That's what it's all about, is becoming more like him. So if we're crucified with Christ and our identity is in Christ, then we need to become more Christ-like. We, in essence, have become disciples. Disciple is someone who patterns their life after him. We're disciple, the root word is discipline. So what we're doing is we're taking our lives, we're taking his word, and we're disciplining ourselves, establishing ourselves in what his word says. And when we do that, then we start bearing his fruit. Okay, And our life becomes more and more fulfilled. Anyway, we've gone through several habits in the past, let me read them real quick to you. They diligently spend time with the Father daily. Secondly, we said they consistently give thanks and praise and worship Him regardless of their circumstances. The third habit was they feed their spirit by reading and listening to God's Word every day. The fourth habit was they strengthen and encourage themselves daily by meditating on God's Word. The fifth, the, yeah, the fifth habit was the words they speak are governed by their faith in God's Word. The words they speak are governed by their faith in God's Word. The sixth habit, which we've been talking on for several weeks now, is they demonstrate their faith by acting upon God's Word. Go with me over to James chapter 1. We've covered this before, but we're going to hit it again. Because this is so critical to a Christian's life in James 1. Well, they're, they're all critical, but this in particular, because we as Christians have a tendency, we want to hear... Okay, we like what we hear a lot of times. But sometimes, if you're anything like me, there's a tendency to procrastinate. There's a tendency to maybe not immediately do what it says. And that's one of the struggles we as Christians have is it's one thing to understand what the Word says. It's another then to go about and do it and place it an application in our lives. But be doers of the word, starting with verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Tell me, when does the blessing come? into our life. What does the word say about it? When does the blessing come into our life? It comes after the doing. Not before. Or it just doesn't spontaneously appear in our lives. But when we become a doer of the work, or a doer of the word, then it says, a man will be blessed in his doing. So the blessing follows the doing. That's the manward side. There's a Godward side. A, God's already done his part. And you'll find that as we do ours, as we become a perpetual, a persistent doer of the word, then the blessings just sort of start flowing. You don't know how. Okay? You know, it's, just, it's like that plant that a farmer grows. You plant the seed, and then after a period of time you water it, you fertilize it. And then it starts, and then a little bit comes out of the ground. And over a period of time, it grows and grows and grows until it comes to the point where it's time to harvest. The same thing is true with the blessings of God that we so much desire in our life and to manifest in our life. And it doesn't matter what area of life it is. God's word will work when you apply the right seed in the right soil. Also, we talked, uh, and just a quick bit of review. We shifted gears to the extent that we started talking about obedience. Now, they're so interchangeable; they're, they're so tied together, obedience and doing. I mean, basically, they're the same thing. If you're not a doer of the word, you're, you're in disobedience. Okay. In fact, in fact, uh, over at First Peter says that First Peter two verses six through eight says this. It says, therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him, what do we say believes mean? Acting in accordance with. He who believes on him will be by no means be disobedient. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So, if you are a believer, you are obedient, okay? If you're not obedient, then you're not a believer, okay? So, over in Luke chapter 6, verse, starting with verse 46 through 50, and I read from the Amplified, it says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? For everyone who comes to me and listens to my words in order to heed their teaching and does them, I will show him what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood rose and the torrent broke against the house and could not shake or move it because it had been securely built or founded upon a rock. But he who merely hears and does not practice doing my words is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Against which the torrent burst and immediately it collapsed and fell, and the breaking and ruin of that house was great. <laughs> so many times we shoot ourselves in the foot, because we have not prepared our foundation in God's word, to the point, which keeps our spirit strong, which allows when the storms come, when the storms of life come prevents us from, you know, sort of taking a tumble and fall. Anybody in there had a tumble or fall in here? No, I've had a few, more a few. But if I, but if I go back on a monster for myself, I, I understand where my response wasn't godly. Or I didn't have a foundation to begin with when the storm came. What well, is it what Pastor John says? You know, I'm sure you've probably heard him say it at one time or another. He says you don't you don't wait until you're hungry to plant to plant your your garden. So and, and so hopefully that's what many of us are doing in here. We're we're sort of planting our garden before we get hungry. Okay, now. Um, We need to apply our heart to wisdom. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. And we'll start with verse 17. Now this is one of the Ephesians prayers that I hope each and every one of you are praying. Now what's neat about these prayers and you, in fact, there's a brochure in the in the bookstore. Is it still there, Kathy? Yes. There's a brochure in the bookstore which has several of the, there's a Ephesian prayers, I think there's a Colossians and a few other areas. And these are prayers that you can pray not just once a day or twice a day. You can pray 15, 20 times a day if you want. Okay? And these prayers are significant in the, what it's, what is called upon God to do for you. Let's read it. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of God, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Okay? So the prayer is, and the desire is, that He give you, God, our Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. What's wisdom? It's being able to apply the Word of God practically every day of your life, to experience Him every day. And revelation in the knowledge of Him. Revelation is that revealed Word of God that comes into our life as we study and grow in Him. Now, some people say, well, is I we haven't had a revelation in a long time. Well, i ask you two questions. One, are you spending enough time with Him? And number two, are you already doing the things which you know to do that he's given you before. Because if we aren't doing some of the things he's already given us and told us and we know to do and we're not doing, guess what? You know, how, how are you going to progress unless you start doing what he's already asked you to do? Does that make sense? If I'm a good teacher, then I want to lay a foundation. I want you to learn this. Okay, in progression. Be able to put it into practice. See, the things I'm, ta- I'm teaching you now, you're going to retain 10% of. If that. If I'm able to demonstrate some of those things that I'm teaching that you can actually physically see, you'll probably retain up to 50%. But then if you go out and you do it yourself, If you go out of this room and you start putting into application some of the things you've learned here right away, you'll retain 90% plus. See, that's where spiritual growth comes into play when you start doing. (laughs) Because when you start doing, it, it becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of your belief system. And you won't be able to act any differently. And it doesn't take that long. that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. One translation is the word enlightened is to have total comprehension and insight. Total comprehension and insight. So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling? Why does he want me to grow? Why does he want me to have total comprehension and insight into what his word has to say? That you may know what is the hope of his calling. You've heard, if you've been to this church any length of at time, you've heard us say each and every one of us has a calling in our life, a purpose. So it's God's heart's desire that you be enlightened. This is the manward side again. Okay, you see that word? Internalize it, make it a part of you. He wants you to have that on the inside of you, so that you may know what is the hope of your calling. Your greatest desire as a Christian should be, Oh God, I want to fulfill Your purpose for my life. I want to hear Your voice say, "Enter thou in." a good and faithful servant. When he asks you, did you do what I asked you to do when you were on earth in that final day, are you going to be able to say, yeah, I walked in the calling," Because I chose to do the manward side to labor, to study, to spend time, to make your main thing my main thing. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us as saints? And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us as saints? So what are the riches of the glory? The riches of the glory are whatever we need. <laughs> this is healing school, right? Or healing service. Well, some of us might need help. Some of us might need prosperity. Maybe some finances. Maybe we're going through some financial issues right now, or, or maybe it's a particular sin that we're having, struggling to overcoming. We need God's grace, His ability to come through it. Whatever it is, whatever, that's His riches, His ability to give it to you. The riches of the glory of His inheritance in us as saints. See, we've already made, He's already given it. It's there. all these things are already present. And it's not like he's got it in his hand and there's got to be something that happens for him to pour it out. He's already poured it out. But doing the manward side is what allows us to see it come out of the eternal realm, pass through our soulish physical realm, and all of a sudden we start experiencing it in our daily life. And again, we don't know how it happens. All we know is when we apply the word, when we protect the word, when we attend to it, guard it in our hearts, then it comes into manifestation at some point in time, in God's time. Go with me over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start reading verse 1. It says, Therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So here in Hebrews 12, God is likening our walk with God as a race. It said, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses but right now, I guess you can look at, you know, look at, there's like a grandstand of people that have already gone on before us who's rooting for us in this grandstand. Because they see it's like into a race. It's sort of like a sport, sports analogy, if you will. It says, lay aside every weight, just like a runner does. You know, a runner doesn't have much clothes on, does he? He just has a pair of shorts and a little t-shirt and that's about it. And so they don't want any additional weight in order that would prevent them from getting the entire advantage of running that race. Or what are some of the weights in our life that we need to get rid of when we're running this endurance race for God? Well, we need to get rid of some of this care and worry and anxiety, this sort of that the enemy tries to flood your life with. It could be an overindulgence with things that impact your life, like maybe, maybe work, become a workaholic. Instead of spending some time with God, we, you know, work becomes our idol, becomes more important than spending some time with God. It could be hobbies. It could be reading books, non-Christian books, which is okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you make that more important than our relationship with God, it becomes a weight to you. Not necessarily sin, just something that takes God's place, It's a substitute. And, this was, and the sin which so easily besets us. or in, the, in, in this translation, ensnares us. There's a lot of ladies in here. Have you ever put it on a necklace or, or over a period of time and had that necklace get all ensnared in your hair where you couldn't get it out? I, you, I, I, I was going to use the example, but I didn't want to point you out. I know at times I've had to get them out of my wife. It's been a while, but... You know, I, You know, it takes a while sometimes because it's all ensnared and tangled up in there. It's a pain. It hurts too, doesn't it? Well, when we get involved with a sin and it becomes a stronghold in our life, and eventually it will, when that occurs, it becomes a stronghold or becomes ensnared. It's a trap. And what it does, it limits our ability to proceed a progress in God because it's an area of disobedience. But God's word allows us to come through that. You've got to find out what his word says about your particular sin shall not have dominion over you, but you will have dominion over sin. Don't you know that to whom you yield your, your members to obey, his servants to are, to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? So if I was entrapped in a sin, I'd probably go over to Romans and I would pick those up. And I would say, wait a minute, Satan, you're yeah. Sin has no dominion over me. <laughs> See, that's what Jesus' whole death, burial, and resurrection gave us the power to overcome sin. So by not using that power and ability, his grace in our life, then we're saying, "Wait a minute, we sort of like what we're doing. We choose not to be obedient in your word. which guess what? Well, until you're able to get through that and step out and get to progressing in the things of God, you know, it's hard for him. you know he, he can't give you much more revelation. You've got to come through that. By using his word. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. So if this sin is bringing about the wages of sin and death, if it's bringing about death, if it's bringing about issues and problems in your life, struggles, And we need to get rid of that pretty quick. We need to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run the race of endurance. Do you know endurance is one of the fruits of the Spirit? I think it's called long suffering. It's one of the fruits. Now I'm a years old. <laughs> and in those few years that I have lived, there has been trials and tribulations and issues that have come into my life. As a Christian, They're going to come to you whether you want them to or not. But if you're prepared, if you're grounded in what the Word says, God's going to see you through them all. Remember what we said? It's not the things that come against you in this life that's going to hurt you. It's going to be our response to those things which come against you that's going to hurt you. Do we respond the way God would respond? Do we take what comes out our way and says, wait a minute, the word says this about it. So I'm going to apply this word, what it says, to that situation. Or do we let the fear, worries, anxieties permeate our being? And we say, oh, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? God help me, God help me, God help me. I guess that was just meant to be. What's our response in that situation? But we need to run the race of endurance. The race that is set before us. The long-suffering. So when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it. What's that standard? The standard is the Word. So our first response, what's the Word say? What's the Word say? Let me do the Word. Let me apply the Word not a band-aid. It's a cure. Okay? Now, go with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll start with verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Everyone say implanted word which is able to save your souls. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. You know, I believe that's another fruit, meekness. Hmm. Receive with meekness. So you need to have some growth in that particular fruit, don't you? The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Well, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. So when it speaks of implanted word, that would imply that the word is not necessarily there yet, is it? Now, when you became born again as a Christian, when you received your, your new birth, when you became a new creation, when you, were, when you became alive unto God, Did you have all of the word? Well, I guess you did. Because he shed his love abroad, poured forth from the heart by the Holy Spirit. It was in there. But did you know it yet? Didn't know it yet, did you? Okay? So what we need to do is to receive with meekness, knowing that we need God desperately. That we need his word desperately. We receive with meekness the engrafted word or the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. So that means let me get back to the labor to into his rest. Let me get back to study to show yourself approved. Let me go back to my son, attend to my words, it is to make that word a part of us. And when we do that, the word says it saves our souls. Well John, I thought we were saved. Yeah you are. Your spirit man saved. It's born again. It's more it's new. But your soulish realm See, when I was born again, my thought process was probably still messed up. I thought, I thought uh, thoughts that were contrary to the Word of God. So what I'm doing, whenever I put, they take the implanted Word and I put it inside me, guess what I'm doing? I'm renewing my mind. I'm taking those corrupted files up there in this data bank and I'm purging the corrupted files, and I'm replacing them with what God's Word says. And therefore, whenever the trials of life come my way, I can hit the enter button, and I can say, Psst, I need to process lack. My God is able to make all grace abound to you, you may always, under all circumstances, be self-sufficient, having abundance left over to meet the needs of others. Trials of life come. Bad report from the doctor. Sickness. Disease. Pain. The strong spirit of a man sustains a man in bodily pain or trouble. Enter. Mm -hmm. Jesus was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, chastisement of my peace was upon him by his stripes. I am healed. Not going to be, not maybe, I am. So receive with meekness the implanted word, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. All of a sudden you find yourself when you get when you have the word on the inside, when you make that word govern everything you say, speak, do, think. the way you think changes. Your perspective changes. You're making God's ways your ways. You're establishing God's habits based upon godly principles. You're making God's main thing your main thing. You're dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. You're abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. We can say, Lord, you're my refuge, my fortress, my God. It's in you that I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snare, the entrapment of the enemy. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wings I will find refuge. His truth, his word, Jesus is my shield and my buckler. You know what a buckler is? You know know what a shield is? It protects us from the front. A buckler. 360 degrees protection. When you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, there is absolutely nothing that can touch you. But when we walk outside that shadow, when we choose to be a disobedient, we open ourselves to the enemy. That's why it is so needful for us to spend as much time as possible with our Father. Pastor John's been teaching <clears throat> on growth for the past two or three weeks. If you haven't heard any of that series, go online and lie to Media Connect. Media Connect? Me, media Connect? connect oh, geez. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you. And listen to them. It is so important that we grow. If we grow, we're able to walk in the calling that we just talked about if we walked in the calling, that's when you're going to have the impact on other people's lives. That's when you're going to see revival come. Revival starts with you. So we we'll re- receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, go through to Matthew chapter 8. I really thought I was going to finish this today. Matthew chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now we just spoke about that a little bit. I guess we talked about being a disciple as well. Uh but a disciple is a person who is a pupil or an inherent or an adherent of the doctrines of another follower to convert into a disciple one who embraces and assists in spreading the teachings of another or to teach or to train Do you know we're going to spend the rest of our life in 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 in, in uh, learning and growing It's not a one day or one month yeah we can become spiritually mature Christians in probably three to six. Seven years, okay, but that sort of doesn't mean we know everything. We become a mature Christian where we can impact other lives, where we can make a difference, where we can walk in our calling, but we're going to learn the rest of our lives and I'm convinced when we when we take our last last breath, when we get there, we're also going to be learning and growing too, for a long, long time. There's so much. I've heard people say, and I've said it myself, and it's so true. The more I learn, the more I grow, the more I know that I don't know. <laughs> it is just absolutely amazing. It's just, it's almost overwhelming. Is the amount of information, the amount of knowledge that's out there that, oh, God is so good. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, starting with verse 5. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Everyone say that. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her. Exalt her, Wisdom. And she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the ways of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her. Keep her, for she is your life. Now, We know wisdom is the application of knowledge, application of God's word in your life. It says don't forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth, don't forsake her, don't walk away from it, because it says she will keep you or guard you. It's a military term, garrison, protection. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, I looked up. I took the opportunity to look up in the dictionary. This wasn't any kind of a Bible concordance. It was just strictly the dictionary. It says this. Principle. First in order of importance. First in order of importance. First in order of importance. It means most important. It means influential. It means central. Chief. Dominant. Greatest, primary, chief, highest in rank, character of respectability as the principal officers of a government, the principal men of city, town, or state. First in rank, authority, importance, degree. What's it say? Wisdom is the principal thing. For she is your life. That means I need to apply wisdom in every area of my life. I cannot apply wisdom in every area of life unless I have God's knowledge, unless I have his understanding. Knowledge is just is information. What's Isaiah said? Isaiah said this. He says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Okay. Well, number one, they perish because of lack of information. Over in Isaiah, it says, my people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. So we know that that's foundational. So we know we have to have knowledge. The Bible also talks about we need understanding. Understanding simply means that we know what to do. Okay? We, we grasp the information and know what to do. Wisdom comes in, which is our life, and says, now do it. Apply it. You know what to do. You have information. You have an understanding of how to apply it. Now, do it. Be a doer of that word. And don't let her go. Keep her for she is your life. Exalt her. How do we exalt her? We do it. That's how we do out the word. Now, I um <laughs> I get amazed sometimes, and it's really not funny. I but I, yeah, the, the greater percentage of people that I deal with, in, in terms of spiritual guidance and things like that, you know, they'll, they want they want to change, they want to grow, they want to they want to make things better in their lives, and so they they apply the word. But there's some people. You, know, you make recommendations you tell them they just, they're like Peter Pan I'll never grow up never grow up never grow up you sort of want to stay where they're at don't have time got other things of importance and what they're saying is I have put several idols up in my life in which do not touch because I'm, I'm happy doing my idol thing, whether it's TV or golf or reading or you know, whatever it is. Don't ask me to read a couple scriptures or meditate on them. Don't ask me to read a Christian book that will feed me life and bring restoration to me. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I don't understand it. But there's actually people like that. But we have to continue to pray for them. Father, fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they may walk worthy of you Pleasing you in everything that they do, bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work, and always increasing the knowledge of you. Strengthen them with all might according to your glorious power, with patience, with long-suffering, with joyfulness. And I thank you, Father, for making them to be partakers of your inheritance in them as saints and for delivering them from the power of darkness and translating them into the kingdom of your dear Son in whom they have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Anybody know anybody like that? That's why those prayers are so important. Get a co- if you haven't got to go, get a copy. Pray them every day. Pray multiple times a day. Not only for yourself, but for others as well. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is a very familiar scripture to, to, to most of you, if not all of you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is being Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It says that if you're in Christ, if you've been baptized into Christ, if you've been immersed into Christ, if you've gone through the born-again experience, if you've had the conversion from death to life, then you've received a new identity. See, a new creation that's never existed before. If we renew our minds, as Romans talks about, and establish our hearts, as we've been talking about in our teachings over the last twelve sessions we will start to experience and start to live in that new identity okay let me say that again if we renew our minds and establish our hearts in this new identity that we possess because of our born again experience. When we start doing that, we experience the power to live in that identity. It comes with a territory. Because you're putting the word on the inside of you. When my identity in Jesus becomes my reality, my circumstances will no longer have a hold on me. Hmm. At that Let me read again, when my identity in Jesus becomes my reality, circumstances in my life will no longer be able to hold me. In other words, things change. The things that we see are temporal, subject to change. the things that we don't see are eternal. So what happens when you make that cheat, when you make Jesus your new identity? when you're walking in His fruit, when you're walking in His ways, the eternal things come over and change things in your life. Change from the lack to prosperity, poor health to well-being, poor relationships to good relationships. Anxiety, fear, and worry to peace and joy and happiness in the Holy Ghost. That transformation takes place. You can't stop it, it's automatic. Let me let me go. There's two more scriptures. Um, There's one one scripture I want to cover, and we'll stop today. Go with me to Jonah chapter two. Jonah chapter two, starting with verse five. <clears throat> it says the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Now keep in mind, this is the story of Jonah. This, he's been swallowed by a big fish. Okay? And he's inside the belly of this big fish. Now why was he in there? Well, he was in disobedience to God at the time. He chose, he was told to go preach to the people of Nineveh, which he hated sorely. He hated it so bad that he ran away from God, literally tried to flee somewhere else and when he was on this ship God prepared a fish and so he's inside this fish he says and weeds were wrapped around my head I went down to the moorings of the mountains okay so the depths of the sea so I'm down here I'm down here where the mountains are anchored where they come out of the earth with his bars closed behind me forever Yet, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted... (laughs) Have you ever fainted in soul? Have you ever been overwhelmed? uh, I'm not sure I can really handle this. You know, it's, it's almost... I think I'll give up. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He must have planted a garden, didn't he? Jonah was a prophet. So Jonah planted a garden. I remembered what your word said and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard or those who observe or those who pay attention to worthless idols or lying vanities, one translation says, forsake their own mercy. Visualize this. Visualize yourself in the belly of a fish. A whale, I don't care what, what you call it. Okay. You're inside this fish for three days and three nights. It stinks. The enzymes is trying to attack your skin. To dissolve you. To digest you. You're wrapped with, weed, with weeds. It's probably harder than blazes in there. You're probably struggling to breathe because of the lack of oxygen. And Jonah says, I remember your word and I pray to you, and my prayers went into the Holy Temple. Those who regard lying vanities, those who regard idols, those who regard the weeds that are around my neck, those who regard the heat and the slime of my surroundings and the overwhelming things that come against me, Those who regard those forsake their own mercy. (laughs) But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. In this midst, it's not the things that come against you that hurt you. It's our response to those things that come against you that's going to hurt you. And so when the fish was inside the belly of the fish, his response was, I remembered the word. And I sacrificed thanksgiving. And I chose, Father, I will repent. And I will pay my vows to you. I'll go to Nineveh and preach. And when he did, they were saved. They they were restored they were, and they were kept from destruction because of what he did in his obedience. If we look at our circumstances and the things that are coming against us each and every day of our lives and we dwell upon that and we choose to see that as our reality rather than the identity of Jesus as our reality, The Word of God, which frees us, sets us free from those things. If we set ourselves upon the things called lying vanities, then yeah, we're going to be destroyed. But I remember the Word. I will pay my vows. I offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I respond according to what the Word says. I'm a doer of the Word. And therefore, I will not forsake the mercy that is there for me. Amen. Father God, thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for every life here. Father, I pray that... (laughs) I pray that that word, Father, just grows, becomes a part of them, and governs our life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. you know, I, I feel like I'm a person who's come to been invited to some fancy dinner. And I complain about the dessert. I mean, who am I? It's Methodist from Butler. <laughs> uh, I know this is not a Bible study. Mm-hmm. I know This is a service. Mm-hmm. Would there be something that can... And, and, and I have such respect for, for victory and what you guys are doing uh, in God's name and in the, in the growth and the excitement.